business partner, Mr. Jason Johnston Yellen. Jason. <laughs> the thing that nobody, nobody sees at home is that Josh just stared so thoroughly and deeply into my eyes during that introduction that it was very intense, very intense. And the only way we could break that intensity was by Josh cracking up and me telling you exactly what's happening here you know i feel uh, quite often especially when i'm on the when i'm on the the mic the, mic, the mic. microphone check out with you is i feel like i am who kurt cobain talked about when he says i wish i was like you easily amused because it's so easy to get me to laugh so easy to amuse me and you do just a great job of it just yesterday i was commenting that you sound sometimes like you were raised by Mr. Ed with your your laugh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's a, it's mm-hmm. a strange internal noise that mm-hmm. you make. Okay, so anyway, here I am. Hello. <laughs> good to How be you with doing? you. Uh, good. Good, yeah. good, good. Excited about this podcast. Very hyper aware mm-hmm. of presenting the list of what we do. Um, since we did get emails from listeners we did did, yes letting us know nope we were we were waiting (laughs) we were wondering what was happening so i'm hyper aware and hyper vigilant that this week we will make it happen so yeah so do you want to lead me into that joshua and then we'll get it we'll get it done and then we'll move on to to what we're doing this week yeah so here's here's jason coming with with our list of what it is what we do that we do and and as jason had mentioned we received many emails from people saying, "Yeah, we thought you guys were broken," and uh, we we even <laughs> we even had uh, one guy, uh, James Foster, friend of the us, show, friend of the show. He said uh, he actually gave us the exact time when we when we started the list of what it is, what we do, that we do, which was twenty thirty twenty minutes thirty seconds. If I remember, that's correctly. what I remember reading. Yeah. yeah, so we'll get it. We'll get it done. We'll get it out of the way, and then we can we can all focus. We can all just okay. take a deep breath and relax, knowing that the list has been presented. Damn, so getting done. Go. Um, we own an independent bottling company called Single Cast Nation mm-hmm. that is both available in retail and has a special projects division online. That's right. So be sure to check us out, singlecastnation.com, and we'll tell you both, uh, uh, tell you about both endeavors. Then we're on a whiskey festival called Whiskey Jubilee. We're in New York, Chicago, and Seattle. Uh, New York coming up June 15. Not a few tickets away. still remain, so don't dilly-dally. Yeah. And we run Whiskey Geek Tours of Scotland with a very big one coming up in July. For the uh, the Isla Swim Adventure, which we're very excited about, and starting to put together another Whiskey Geek Barrel Thief collaborative tour for September. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, busy, busy, busy on those fronts. And then everybody, there's a fourth thing that we do, and we're doing it right now. Um, 
drink bourbon straight from the bottle. Bourbon straight from the bottle. Yeah. Is that (laughs) the fourth thing that we do? We run a podcast. Hey. One nation under whiskey. No Ian whiskey. Save Joshua reminding us that. Thank you so much. Yeah, for future reference, when we're talking about whiskey, it's never with an E. (laughs) See, that's my thing. That's it's almost my default. And then you come along and say, that's no E. And I say I know. Well, I know it, there's no It's my default. It's, it's it's my default too. Every country in the world spells whiskey without an E, with the exceptions of Ireland, who does it across the board, whiskey with an E, and the US, which is hit or miss, whiskey with or without an E. Even in our, if you go online and you look at the, the, the TTB regulations or, or mm, the TTB yeah. rules of descriptions what is a bourbon what is a rye what what is light whiskey uh, etc even our u.s government recognizes whiskey without an e <laughs> it says yeah. without an e but there are brands that do use the e like our friends at heaven hill yeah we were out driving uh, the other week on mother's day and uh, we're driving through virginia and we passed the sign post for the virginia distilling company mm-hmm. and my wife who's a teetotaler First thing she says, well, A, she says, never heard of them. And I say, oh, yeah, we go way back. And then B, she says, they don't spell whiskey with an E. Either and I said, yeah, go on. Right. neither does Catoctin Creek up in Purcellville. Yeah. You, so, you, yeah. so there you go. There's a couple of Virginia distilleries with good, strong um, Scottish heritage in the state. And uh, there's a couple of distillers that don't use an E in their whiskey spelling. Well, look at Maker's Mark. Look at George Dickel. Neither of those. Uh, look at George Dickel right now. Yeah, there you go. There is no E. You're correct, sir. No e. So, so it's Ireland and the U.S., which is hit or miss, and the rest of the world does not use an E in whiskey, and so therefore my default, like your default, is without an E. However, we do have Americans within our uh, listener community. And we do. Hello, uh, thank so, you, you know, thank we, you, thank you. we want to be respectful. Maybe uh, some of them don't spell whiskey with an E. Yeah, it could be. I, I, I count myself among those. Yeah. Among that they, group. They, sometimes I forget you're American. You're you're so deeply ingrained in the Scottish way of saying souked, <laughs> as we learned last week. Um, and you've used that word a lot since have, we recorded have, that last yeah, podcast. Strangely enough. You have. You've, you've taken souked into your lexicon. I, I, I have and use it at the most inappropriate of times. <laughs> One could argue there is no inappropriate time to say souked, but if anybody could find it, right, it would be you, sir. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, what are we doing today, Joshua? We, you know what we're doing today, actually? We I do, know, I do actually know the answer to this question. <laughs> well, it's, the recording of this podcast is somewhat fortuitous. Oh. Do you know why I say fortuitous? I do, but carry on. Yeah. One, because I like the word fortuitous. Uh, it's like saying white um, or whiskey. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> You're warming up your vocal cards yeah, over I there? Am, I am. A few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, you and I went to Kentucky. We did. Right. And we we went to Wild Turkey. We had a nice conversation with uh, with Eddie Russell. Episode four, yep. for anybody who might have missed that. Yep, definitely. So that was episode five for anybody who may have missed that. And 
and we selected some casks with Eddie, but we also went to uh, the Bernheim Distillery, or that's the name of the, the Heaven Hill Distillery. It's actually the Bernheim Distillery. And we met with Denny Potter, who was just announced as the uh, as the vice president of operations for Heaven Hill Distilleries. Yeah, just last week, May 15, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Brand Spanking new appointment. That's really fantastic. Yeah, and uh, that was actually our first appointment in Kentucky was meeting with Denny. Denny has been with Heaven Hill Distillery, uh, I think he started in 2013. And then, you know, after Parker Beam had passed away, and then shortly thereafter, Craig Beam, uh, Parker's son, uh, stepped away. Uh, Denny stepped up to the plate as, uh, you know, the master distiller slash a distillery manager of of Heaven Hill, and now he's the VP of operations here. And, and it just so happened that we were planning to uh, to put this podcast out when we when we heard the news. Yep. Yeah. Congratulations to him. Yeah. We congrats. Thoroughly enjoyed our day with him. Spent a good amount of time with him. Uh, had a conversation <laughs> before we walked through the plant, as we walked through the plant, in his office after touring. Um, yeah, he was very generous with his time. Um, and it's, it's always when somebody like that is so generous with their time, I always feel very nervous that, you know, you and I take up a lot of people's time because we've got questions and we're very interested in what they're doing. And, sure. yeah. you know, and we're always comparing it to what we've heard in other places. And, and so there's, there's a lot going on. Um, but he just kept giving us his time and kept giving us his time. And eventually we had. 20 minutes to grab lunch before we went and tasted barrels with Eddie yeah. <laughs> at Wild Turkey. Um, well, you know, I, I think he went into the into the interview slash tour with us, knowing that we were guys within the industry and assuming we had, uh, you know, the, the most in-depth knowledge of bourbon and bourbon production. And and while we do know a fair amount, we're always learning. And he he definitely taught us some. And and you know at the same time, whether we knew stuff or not, there are certain things that we needed to get onto this podcast for those that may not understand, you know, the intricacies of bourbon and rye production. Uh, you know, there are similarities to producing Scotch whiskey or malt whiskey, but but there are many differences as well. So we needed to get a lot of that on the podcast, and and I think he said at some point, this may be the longest tour that I've ever done. <laughs> so he just kept asking and asking and asking. He did say that. This is going to be the longest tour I've ever done. <laughs> we haven't even started. Yeah, are, we, are we good till Thursday? You <laughs> said hour and a half. I was like, oh, that's nothing at all. We'll and, and, and so one of the things that listeners will hear this week is there's a portion of the podcast recorded on one side of a production door mm. and you you can hear production happening on the other side of the door um but we're standing in a hallway in front of a um a sign a poster uh a, a, you know whatever you call it um that shows the process yeah. and so you've just very kind of briefly talked us through it and we asked a couple of follow-up questions we'll get into that more in a second then we headed into production and we kept recording as we we're going through the, the full production <laughs> site and things get a bit noisy but it's it's authentic contextual noise um and so we're certainly not going to shy away from that we want to include that 
Um, and then we concluded our day in back in Denny's office mm-hmm. and things are very quiet in there. Um, <laughs> even though we were really only about 30 feet away, uh, 30, 40 feet away from where we started the, the interview. But it's, it's so very quiet in his office. So, so today, as, as you're hearing different uh, parts of the interview, uh, take note of the, the noises that you're hearing in the background. And as a testament to Olympus recorders, who, if you guys want to sponsor us with more wonderful recording devices, uh, I'd, I'd say a little recording device, the LS14, held up quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer. <It did. laughs> Disclaimer, Olympus has not <laughs> sponsored, <laughs> sponsored us in any way. Yeah. We have never met Olympus before in our lives. We have not... Being paid to say this. No, so. no. It's, it's a good little recorder. <laughs> it is. It Sarah does very well up to this point. Here yeah. we are, you know, however many episodes in. <laughs> Eight is the answer. So. All right. Yeah. So, so where do we want to begin here? Well, uh, I always like to say, let's begin at the begin. I think that makes very good right. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Standing in front of the the little sign, the poster, as you, uh, as I keep referring to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a question about the thumper in, yeah. in terms of production. And I'd, I'd watched the, the video, the documentary with Popcorn Sutton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many of our listeners may very well have, have watched the same documentary where he was in a, an illicit moonshiner. Uh, I believe in the hills of Tennessee. I think you're right. I, I've never seen okay. it. Uh, okay. Yeah, but it's good. It's well worth your time. I recommend it. Um, and so he tells this wonderful story about, you know, they, they drive their equipment up there. They put it all together. They're, they're testing it. And then uh, when they start the, the distillation run and, and Denny echoes this, even, even working the Bernheim planet, uh, Denny echoed this. But when that first distillate meets the water that's in the thumper, um, Popcorn Sutton yeah. was taught by his grandmother a little dance that goes along with the thumping uh, of that part of the the production, and uh, it's a it's a very nice story. It's very cute, very adorable. I had no idea what was happening and why it was happening, <laughs> uh, and so when I had the chance to ask Denny, uh, I made sure that I did, and and he as he did all day, gave us a wonderfully thorough answer on it. So so here we go, the man himself uh, talking about the thumper. The, you know, a, a, a thumper or a doubler is kind of set up like a pot still, yeah. right? Except you're not, there's no solids in it, okay? Um, you're basically redistilling alcohol. With a doubler, what happens is you're going to recondense the vapor coming off the beer column back into liquid form. Mm-hmm. Goes into the doubler, Add heat again to redistill, to vaporize, and then to come out. Okay. okay. With the thumper, the way it works is you do not recondense between the beer column and the nice. second distillation. So what you do is you maintain a water level inside the second still. So so that that alcohol vapor is going to blow in at 198 F. You got to remember the end point of that second distillation is 188. We don't need to add any external heat. We've got it with the vapor yeah. coming off the beer column. So we can go in here. It's going to blow in. It's going to cool off immediately because we've got water in there. And then 188, it's going to come out at a higher proof. Yeah. So what happens is you get water that stays behind. 
and then we have to maintain that level. So we'll pump water out, but you come out at a, at a higher proof. So that's, you're basically using the beer column to fuel the energy for your second distillation. Gotcha. That's the difference between a thumper and a double. Okay. Construction-wise, it's all the same. So we actually have um, coils on the inside of here that if we wanted to operate it as a doubler, we'd have to do a little bit of manipulation for condensing, but that we could, you know, we could operate it as a doubler as well. Okay. But that's the, and the reason why they call it a thumper is when you go to start up, imagine you've got water in here that's at room temperature. So now you've got alcohol vapor that's gonna be blowing in to a cool environment, so it thumps, it kicks. You can hear it okay. throughout the distillery, okay. and that's why they call it a thumper. Mm-hmm. Has but, nothing to do with the little bunny rabbit from Bambi. Not that I <laughs> no. know about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Although Easter is approaching, so we could probably spend a pretty good <laughs> story. Um, Hell, I can't remember what I was going to say now. That's my fault. But no, but so, yeah. So anyway, that is that is the major difference between okay. a doubler or a thumper. That's, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I saw the fella at Popcorn, the illicit um, oh, yeah. distiller. Popcorn, Sutton. Sutton, yeah. And uh, he was saying his grandmother taught him a dance that went with the thumper. Uh, because it was that boom, 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 boom as things were getting yep. started. And so in this video, Popcorn Sutton's doing that little dance along with the thumper. It was just interesting to now, see. You know, I'll say, because we run continuous, you, know, you only, basically you only hear it when you're starting up. And you know, we will shut down distillation once a week to clean. Um, and so you really only, you only get it one time a week. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. If you were having to do it every shift or anything like that, I'm sure it would get a little bit annoying. But. <laughs> you might start dancing to pass the time. Well, I mean, yeah. this crew, they might, hell, they might have a dance. I just don't know what it is. Maybe they're, maybe they're too shy to do it in front of me. But there are a couple of them I would guarantee have a dance. <laughs> so until we had actually gotten to the distillery and got in front of that huge poster right you know right before that door to the to to where the production starts and and you know at that poster it shows you every step of of the distillation you know fermentation and distillation process mm-hmm. i had never heard of a thumper like that that was right. new to me yeah <laughs> you know so so you knew of it because of some popcorn. you know popcorn sutton or whatever but but i'd never heard that term and <laughs> and you know getting back to something that you you joked about before where i'm you know a, a little more uk centric in my in my sensibilities yeah. at, le- at least when it comes to whiskey you know my knowledge of production and not just the knowledge but um the terminology or the nomenclature associated with various you know, machinery to, to, to make whiskey is very scotch centric. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, what they call in Scotland as, you know, washbacks here in the U S we call them fermenters, right? So it's, you have different, yeah. uh, different terminologies. So, so this thumper is something that I'd never heard of before. Well, in another example, all the way through our time with Denny, he kept referring to the, the wash as beer. Yeah, yeah. So, so there you go. We even go from our knowledge of washbacks to him talking about beer and the fermenters, yeah. which sounds like a completely different industry. Well, it, it does. But, you know, when, when we're doing tastings here, there, and everywhere, it becomes mm-hmm. a very easy way to describe what whiskey is. Beer yep. that has been distilled. Um, sans hops. Sa- yeah, sans hops. But 
there was one portion of of the production that's very specific to to bourbon, and that is the sour mash. Mm-hmm. Now, a true bourbon lover slash aficionado will know exactly what sour mash is. You know, I thought Denny's. Was that you closing up a whiskey bottle? It is, and normally we pull the cork out at this point, but this was me turning the the cap. That that's for that yeah. six year old heaven ill you've been you, you alluded is. to, right? This yeah, the I, I don't mean to interrupt you here, but mm. this is the yes, the bottled and bond six year old heaven hill that's only available in Kentucky, and Denny will allude to it more uh, much later in our podcast. But in honor of, of our time with him, that's what I pulled out to drink today. Yeah. It is, it's an incredibly good whiskey. Um, and, and you, sir, I see something cupped in your hands there. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, this It'll time- become clear why we're laughing in just a second. <laughs> well, I'm laughing because what, what started off as a simple question that I figured I'd get sort of a three-word answer from, so then I can then move on to talk oh, about Sour Mash. Sorry, sorry. You know, you derailed us. Sorry. You derailed we, us. Well, we got whiskey in our glasses. We might as well talk about the whiskey in our glasses and they get back Sour <laughs> Mash. Um, so what I have in my hand, because I, <laughs> I don't have a glass for it, because I don't think that this uh, requires a glass. Um, you know, s- says the drunken hobo in me. Um, Hashtag please drink responsibly. <laughs> Hashtag don't be a dafty, drink responsibly. <laughs> um, yeah, we went to the uh, to the Heaven Hill Heritage Center, and they had these tiny little glass barrels. I'm going to call it a barrel that were 20 cl, or as we Americans like to say, 200 ml uh, bottle. Of Elijah Craig, that's at one hundred and twenty-five proof. If it helps me derail slightly less, the side of my bottle boasts of a custom-made mash. Oh, right. So that you know, that's a perfect little segue into sour mash. I take us away. I bring us right back. <laughs> I had to ask Denny if he could spell out exactly what sour mash is. And I thought that his answer was, you know, as succinct as could be and and told us exactly what we, we what we needed to know from top to bottom. So when you go to start a mash, you add water and then we'll add the back set, which is the basically the sour mash process. And what that is, is sour mash by definition is you're taking some of an old batch and putting it in a new. So imagine four days ago, we did a mash, we put it in a fermenter, converted the sugar to alcohol, now we're distilling it today. Okay, so we're going to vaporize the alcohol, then you're left over with a water grain mix, falls out the bottom. We're going to take some of that material and put it back into the mash tub. Alright, so you're taking some of an old, and putting it in a new. So that's con- one, it's continuity from batch to batch. The real reason why we like to do it is this stuff is somewhat acidic. Yeah. It's got a lower pH. 
our yeast likes to operate in a little more acidic environment. Mm -hmm. If you're just adding water and grain, it's going to be fairly neutral. So you're going to be seven. It might drop a little bit through the mashing process. But this stuff coming off the bottom of the still is probably going to be around a four. Yeah. So we can we can add that to the mash tub and naturally drop by using a byproduct drop the pH of our new batches. Gotcha. So and we you know we'll adjust the percentage. Sometimes it, you know it depends on the pH of the back set, but on average we use about twenty percent. So we got water, we got back set, obviously, start steaming. Um, we like everybody you know we'll do uh, corn with a little bit of pre malt. We'll boil. Uh, once we come off the boil, we'll add our flavoring grain. Usually it's rice, sometimes it's wheat. We drop that in at 170. Uh, then we'll add the malted barley in at 150 or less. Okay. Mix it up and then pump it into fermentation. Okay. So, and we actually will add a little bit of back set into fermentation as well. Okay. We just want to make sure that we're, we really, when we set this fermenter, we want to be around a five. Okay. You know, five, one, something like that. Okay. So this little part of the graphic here, this isn't a process. This is just this being stored in that. Yeah, they're just, yeah, they're just system. showing a tank. Okay, because yeah. I, was, I, I was thought souring was a process that went into it. The fact that it's just some of this going yeah. in there makes yeah. perfect just, sense. Yeah, as that comes off, we're gonna collect some of it into a backset tank, gotcha. which usually gets used, if not immediately, within you know three or four hours. It yeah, just yeah. depends. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting listening to Danny there. Really, he's describing a, a, a sourdough starter. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's in in grand um, scale, but but it really is a sourdough starter, and you're just keeping that element of prior batches going forth into future batches. Yeah. Um, I really did think Sour Mash spoke more to the overall process. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that you actually ran the whole thing as a sour mash as opposed to, oh yeah, you just take a little bit of what you saved yesterday and you stick it into today. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. that's remarkably simple, straightforward, very easy to get one's head around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, until you hear somebody like Danny put it like that, it it can be a little more confusing, and I will I will only speak for myself as a Scotsman hey. that that can be a little more confusing. I will not speak on behalf of anybody who's an American bourbon lover um, and learned about sour mash on their grandpappy's knee. You know, I I think this the Scotch whiskey industry suffers from very similar terminology that to those in the know, well, they're in the know. <laughs> Right, they know exactly what it is, but if you you know on the face of it, it's not as clear as you think it would be, and and I always get back to the simple term of single malt Scotch whiskey. Mm. Most people really don't understand what that term means, and once once you're told, once you're explained what it is, it makes perfect sense. But on the face of it. You know, it, it, it's not very clear, though peop- Though many people think it is. Oh, you know, single malt. Oh, they made that from one malting. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's not the case. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, well, you know, don't don't the Japanese make scotch just like that? Well, no, no, the Japanese don't make scotch. They make whiskey, you know, and then I end up telling people, you know, I, I sort of do it backwards. That where, sounds like you. Well, it makes good sense. Start at the beginning. 
Let me back up a second. You take it from the bottom, you bring it to the top. Take it from the bottom, bring it to the top. And I'm just going to loop that. Um, Did a rap just start happening there? Like, I... uh, but no, you know, whiskey. The Sugar Hill Gang just burst out of a, a cupboard hip-hop. there. I take it to the hip of the hip hip hop and you don't stop. <laughs> and when my girls are, are going to the beach, I tell them to get it on their flip flops. Take it to the flip of the flip flip flops and you don't stop. Um, <laughs> but you know, let, let me just ex- <laughs> yes. Anyway, yes, right, yes, yes, right, serious. Stop, right. Stop so, it. yes. <laughs> so when when I go to explain that simple term of single malt Scotch whiskey, I do, I I do explain it in in reverse order, and the reason why is okay. Single malt Scotch whiskey. Okay, what's whiskey? Whiskey is a spirit. That is made from a grain mash bill. Okay, good. Single malt Scotch whiskey. Okay, Scotch. What does that tell you? Scotch. It's made in Scotland. Only the Scots make Scotch. Beautiful. So it's whiskey made in Scotland. Boom. There you go. Single malt. Okay, what's malt? That's the grain. Malted barley. All right. Now people are starting to get it. And then I ask them the question, you know, what does, um, you know, what does the single mean in, in, in single malt? And that's when they, you know, the, the the answers really vary. And then I simply say it's made from a single distillery. Now, you explain that to a newbie and, you know, at first they say, oh, that's kind of weird. But okay, now I get it. It makes sense. But that newbie would never have gotten it if they had just read the term single malt scotch whiskey. Just as a newbie to bourbon would never have gotten what sour mash is if they just read sour mash. Look at that. That was professionally done, sir. Thank you. Uh, that's what we call bringing it home. Well, you know what I did? Is I, I, w- I wanted to take it from the bottom and bring it to the top. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. I did. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> Enough about how whiskey is is made. Okay, I mean, we did, there are two things that we wanted to explain. We wanted to talk about the thumper. We wanted mm-hmm. to talk about sour mash because these yes, are sir. things that, you know, either you understood and I didn't or, or vice versa. You brought up a very interesting question during this portion of, of, of the tour and the interview. You know, Denny is talking about how they are increasing production, right? They're adding in new stills. And he took us around the distillery, and we'll have some of that recording in here, but he took us around the distillery to to show us how they are expanding to meet demand. We've completed two expansions since 99. Both were around fermentation. Fermentation was the bottleneck. Um, I believe one expansion was done probably 10, 12 years ago. And then we completed a second expansion. Uh, I think we brought that online in early 2014, mm-hmm. uh, which was fermentation again. And then immediately we started working on the expansion we're undergoing right now. Okay. Which is, we were expanding every facet of the operation. Um, from mashing, to distillation, to fermentation, to boilers. To you na- we are basically building another distillery. We're just tying it to this one. Wow. Um, we've been running this distillery uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the last over two years. So, like, current capacity right now is about 1,000 barrels a day. Okay. After expansion, it'll be roughly 1,300 barrels per day. Wow. So, that, and we'll continue even after expansion, which will be done in July, 
we'll continue to run seven days a week. So we're, right. you know, part of this is trying to, you know, make up for a little bit of lost time, and the rest is literally just looking at our demand plan and going, oh hell. I mean, you know, we still we yeah. still need to run seven days a week. And I'll be honest with you, as soon as we're done with this expansion, we're going to have to dig in again and say, okay, do we, you know, where do we need to go after this? What what is our timeline? When's our bottleneck going to hit? And then, you know, can we expand yeah. here? Do we need to build another distillery? You know, all those things will come into play. Uh, but right now we're just focused on getting this expansion completed sure. Sure. and started up, and then we'll start looking at the next phase. So <laughs> I realized I hadn't gotten to what your interesting question was. So let me... Let me Not get for to the that. first time as regular listeners know. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, can't, I can't tell if that's a zing or a burn. I'll just be sitting here with my sour face <laughs> and my sour mash. <laughs> well, in the face of all of this expansion, mm-hmm. right, yeah, um, you had asked Denny, how are they prepared for the you know the crash that is going to happen? It's the philosopher in me. I can't really stay away from the doom and gloom for too long. You know, somebody's celebrating expansion coming together really nicely and mm-hmm. they're increasing the number of barrels they're producing a day and just things are going swimmingly. They're building more warehouses. I always have to bring the mood down. It's, it's, it's kind of a survival mechanism for me. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think I, I think I was quite successful in bringing down the mood. Given everything that we see in the whiskey industry and we see these peaks and these troughs and I've spoken to some people in Scotland about it where we're operating right now at max capacity and so many folk are seven days a week, 24 hours a day. How does your future look when the inevitable slowdown comes and there's the constant expansion going on here? Do you think it'll be easy enough to pull back and go back to say five days a week and you know 500 barrels a day just to pull a number out the sky do you think that'll slow down easy enough or do you see there being more of a crash where some folk are going to go out of business or some distilleries are going to shut down well you know i can only speak to heaven hill you know obviously everybody talks about a bubble when's it going to burst and you know like you uh you know at some point this growth will slow down Who, who knows exactly when But to answer your first question about kind of slowing this thing down, the great thing about working with the people that we have and being on the seven-day schedule, we can easily go to a a five-day-a-week operation, and we're in good shape. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's still working 40 hours a week. Uh, You know, we're still still making a lot of whiskey, but, you know, you you are curtailing production by two days. Now, if you're talking Heaven Hill, we – I'll be honest with you. We don't really see that we're operating in a bubble right now because – Think about Heaven Hill. You know, we've been around for 81 years. Um, if you look at our brand and how we're marketed and where we're distributed, we're, we're very well positioned because one is, you know, for years we've been known as an off-premise company. Yeah. Liquor stores, right? I mean, Evan Williams, number two bourbon in the world. It's the bourbon you drink at home, as Bernie Lubbers likes to say. It's the bourbon yeah. you drink at home. But there are a lot of our brands that when you're going into bars and restaurants and, you know, the on-premise, it just hasn't been a huge focus for us until the last five or six years. And we're starting to see, okay, we know we are showing up on the back bar. We are here. We are there. But we've got tremendous growth in those areas to go, you know, on-premise. And also, if you look at national accounts, same thing. The other side of that, too, is 
we hardly export anything. I mean, we are we we literally everything that we're doing is trying to supply domestic. Um, it's you know I joke that you know we do obviously we do sell some international, but it's there's no marketing behind it. We we have basically one person in charge of international sales, and he lives in Louisville. Yeah. So it, I, to me, it's just it's hilarious. And when you look at brands like uh, you know iconic brands like Jim Beam and Jack Daniels that are exporting over 50 percent we don't we don't even really there is no real marketing effort to do anything international so maybe it's if things start to slow down and we see it here domestically there's just a shift to really push international because what we don't do as a company and I think you've kind of seen this with how we we're trying to grow larceny is we don't want to just go in somewhere go all out and then all of a sudden oh sorry we don't have the juice yeah it's got to be very organic. It has to be planned. And that's why, you know, like with a brand like Larceny, you know, even domestically, we started out, I think, initially, maybe like in 12 markets. And that was in 2012. Now we're in 19. And then eventually by the end of this year and into 2018, we'll be nationally distributed. But that was all about making sure we can, you know, not just go into these markets, but support the market as it grows. So. For Heaven Hill, I just think we're very uniquely positioned just because of the opportunities we have on-premise, national accounts, and then international. So, um, and then once again, I mean, we're investing a lot of money into expansion, warehouses, if you look on the bottling side and our finished case goods expansion there. And these these are all decisions that obviously we put a lot of time and thought into, but are ultimately being decided by the Shapira family who've been doing this for 81 years and have been very successful at it. So um, they wouldn't be spending this kind of money if they thought it was gonna you know, burst anytime sure. soon or sure. if our long-term strategy we didn't think would work. Yeah. So we're pretty comfortable. And I know it's kind of a long answer, but. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. <laughs> we're gonna transition into the very quiet portion of our interview with Denny when we got back to his office. This is the quiet part of our recording of our interview with Denny. It is. Babies were sleeping in the background. <laughs> don't, don't encourage the audience. If anyone's driving, <laughs> wake up! Wake up! Ah! <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, the quiet portion. Yes. So after we transitioned into his office... We kind of moved away from the production side of the discussion. And like we've done in in previous podcasts with industry folk, we wanted to talk a little bit more about the industry surrounding the product that that they're distilling at Bernheim. Yep. And you kicked us off with a question about transparency. I did. And and we've we've made allusions to it in other podcasts as well, but there there seems to be from a how to how to put it, f- there are certain consumers who are knowledgeable to such a degree that they're also uh, looking at TTB website. You mentioned it earlier where on the TTB website they, they don't even spell whiskey with a knee. Yeah. Yeah. Um but going going to this governmental site, um pe- people are really following brands very closely very closely yep and you had asked them about the kind of the the retail shelf juxtaposition between having a sourced whiskey Mm -hmm. next to his 
Bernheim Distillery produced Heaven Hill right. whiskey. And what did he think that meant for the industry? And, and did he have any issues with it or any concerns with it? And, and he certainly picked up that, that thread of the consumer and ran with that. That's evolved out of necessity, right? My, like most everything. And, and so, you know, I think a lot of that has been driven by, you know, just a genuine interest by consumers and people that have wanted to be associated with, with our industry, whether it's as a, you know, an NDP or something else. And, and they've, to an extent, have filled a bit of a niche. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it, it impacts us, you know, that, that are, you know, been around for a long time and doing our own stuff and make our own whiskey. I really don't see that it impacts us too much. I, I do think that, you know, out of some of this, there, you know, may be some um, changes when it comes to labeling. And, and I don't think it's necessarily something that the big producers have pushed. I think it's more the consumers yeah. have pushed because, you know, all this evolved and everybody's kind of good with it. But then, you know, you have some people that are, well, what do you mean you don't make your own? I mean, that, that question's being asked. We're not, it doesn't mean a lot to us, but I think it's something that's really being generated by the consumer. Um, because, you know, a lot of these brands, you know, look at like our Elijah Craig 18-year-old. People love the idea that that was a brand that we made, all right, when in our warehouses, 18 years later, we dump it, we bottle it. I mean, it just has a, a bit of a legacy and a story to it. And I think the consumer is starting to demand some more transparency. And, I, you know, maybe we will see some changes when it comes to labeling and other things. But the reality is, too, you can, I mean, just by looking at labels and really understanding labels, you can figure out. Yeah. You really can. And Bernie Lubbers, who obviously is with Heaven Hill, he's our whiskey ambassador. I mean, that guy does a great talk about understanding labels and what to look, if you're interested. Mm-hmm. If you're not, hey, if it's good whiskey, it's good whiskey. Yeah. Um, but if you truly want to know, you just got to educate yourself a little bit on labeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, you know, I don't, you know, I just think it's obviously it sparked a lot of interest. People are very interested in whiskey, in American whiskey, and that's how we got to where we are. So it's just one of those things that has evolved, and um, I, I think it'll be up to the consumer of where it goes. Mm-hmm. I don't think you see any pressure from like a Heaven Hill to say, "Oh, we got to do something about this," because you know we're growing as much, if not more, than anybody else. Yeah. So how in the hell are we going to complain about anything? <laughs> One of the things that slowed me down in, in coming into bourbon was trying to understand where something was coming from. So if I see an Elijah Craig mm-hmm. uh, on the shelf, I'm like, okay, it's an Elijah Craig. Is that at the Elijah Craig Distillery, mm-hmm. right? Okay, now right. there's now, now there's a Bernheim. Okay, so is there a Bernheim Distillery, right. right? And so check a box there. But to to then kind of one of the things that really changed me getting into bourbon was. GQ posted the bourbon family tree that had come out of some dude in Brooklyn's book. It's kind of red and it's roots up and it kind of shows you you which mash bill you're going up, Mm -hmm. what kind of general age you're on and that completely changed bourbon for me. I was like, okay, now I'm going to start with the Heaven Hill family, right. the the Beam family, the blah, blah, you know so on down the line, and work my way through the releases. Mm-hmm. And so, as a producer, and with a storied bourbon history in Kentucky, why did the business start out coming from the top of that down instead the bottom of that up? 
So when you're saying top down, so you get your brands right, and just like you're saying with Bernie with the labels, yes. you've got your brands and you're trying to work it back to, okay, where did that come from? Instead of the back of every label having Heaven Hill Distillers on it, and then every brand that's on the front, right? Well, that can be whatever brand it is on the front. <clears throat> I can say, oh, that's from the Heaven Hill family. Well, you know, I think, you know, there was a time where it it was really about the label and the story behind the label and not necessarily about the liquid in the bottle. Yep. And I think that's kind of where that came from. Oh, let's make this as interesting as possible. And then, like you said, just kind of funnel it down. Whereas I can tell you, and if you haven't been to our new website, which is heavenhilldistillery.com, okay. we tell you every mash bill, oh, the percentage, awesome. the brands. I mean, because it's, and I've never been one, but there are a lot of people that don't tell you what their mash bill is mm-hmm. well some of it is maybe they don't know because they're sourcing well the other is you know it's just like it's a secret and you're protecting your recipe Correct. but there are so many things that go into that finished product we've always been pretty transparent about it and we are about as transparent as anybody now That's very true. Yeah. so if you go I mean seriously go look at the Heaven Hill Distillery because I really think we've taken a big step into saying hey here's what we do here's our mash bills exactly the percentages if you want to go try to make that go for it fantastic um but i think that's kind of how that started but there's been you know there's just a genuine interest and i was doing um i did a tasting last week and it used to be you know if you're talking eight or nine ten years ago i would go do a tasting and i would spend the first 15 minutes talking about the rules of bourbon here are the rules of bourbon, yeah. A, B, C. If I were to start out with the rules of bourbon right now, I'd probably get slapped in the face. Like, how dare you insult us <laughs> by assuming we don't know the rules of bourbon. So yeah. there's been, you know, just a, um, a, a rise in, in the education level of the consumer of who's doing what. And, and they, you know, they've shown that interest to dig in a little bit. And I think, I think mm-hmm. that's why. But before, it was really about we got to have a good story. So we will hear from uh, Denny uh, later in the podcast. He actually uh, is going to bring us this week's misconceptions, right? Mm-hmm. Which was he is. He had a couple up his sleeve, which he did. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's the type of thing we've certainly talked about in the past. But as always, it's great having it straight from the mouth of somebody in the industry. And hearing their own particular take and their yeah. own particular experience. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. yeah. We'll, so we'll come back to Denny's misconceptions. Yeah. Speaking um, of straight from the mouth, I'm just going to take another sip right from this little uh, 200 <laughs> milliliter barrel here, Mm-mm-mm-mm. which people have been referring to as the the Elijah Craig grenade. Am I correct in saying that? Have Have we heard people say that? Sure. I don't know. There, there was a term for it, but I don't think it was a grenade. Was it? Well, a that's grenade? what you said when we were at Heaven Hill, and you held it, and you pretended to pull the pin with your teeth, and you pretended to throw it across the parking lot. Oh, and then uh, that's right. Then the ATF came, and they took me away to jail. And I served. I served in a Kentucky jail, which that's, that's not a jail you want to serve in. Let me tell you. Yeah. The- the Turkish prisons have got nothing on Kentucky jails. <laughs> well, they've got turkey, which is which is nice. You know, but for a vegetarian, that's that's yeah. rough. Are, are those turkeys wild? <laughs> you <know>. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> uh, so, so like I said, we're, we'll we'll hear more from from Denny 
during the misconceptions portion of the podcast. But now, at this moment in time, we need to discuss the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. Life story of Playboy Penny. Extra, 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 the news read is all about it. Jason? Me and that Playboy in trouble again. Surprise extra. me. <laughs> we've talked a few times on on this podcast we've we've mentioned it on facebook and and we've emailed a lot of our single cast nation members about the great isla swim um tour right right yeah yep yeah. still right. coming up just like everything else in our lives yeah. it's all coming up yep it's all coming up but here's the thing uh it, it's sold out now <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that's a great thing. We are completely sold out. We're we're booked full up, and uh, and and that is going underway. And and so as 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 a connection to that, I just want to let people know that we've we've actually interviewed both Chad and Justin, the two swimmers, mm, and yep. uh, and that podcast will be coming up two episodes from now. So okay. so we'll hear from them, and uh, and then we'll be off to Isla. Enjoying that tour. Cannot wait. Got yeah. a number of friends who have been on Isla over the last couple of weeks. The weather has been spectacular. And I'm just crossing my fingers and sending all my hopes out into the universe <laughs> that we can get weather anything like they've been experiencing. Because it, it yeah, looks yeah. amazing yeah, right it's, now. It, it, it's so true. I was with uh, James Wills of Kilhoman two weeks ago and we're in Chicago or you know, we're in um, Indianapolis and uh, up in, up in Wisconsin. And it was just pissing down, <laughs> pissing down the whole time. And, uh, and he kept looking at his weather app, which I assume is weather kitty, which is the app that I use. And, um, <laughs> Don't Once judge. again, Weather Kitty has not paid for any portion of this podcast, <laughs> but you love something, you set it free, you send it into the universe. So, Weather Kitty, you oh, here. But um, <laughs> he's looking at his weather app at, at Isla, and it was just all sun, all day, mm-hmm. warmth, mm-hmm. no wind, beautiful, etc., etc. Meanwhile, it's pissing down all over us, and so we said, you know, he took the weather with him. So It happens. So. Wasn't that a terrible song? Always take the weather. What? Always take the weather. Take Always. the weather with you. Always. Oh, it's, take a, oh, it's a horrible song. Could you sing it? Nope. But neither could they. So that makes uh-uh. me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a lot more to report in the news, but uh, we spent so much time with Denny, and and I thought he did a wonderful job answering many of the questions that we had. So we want to devote more of the the episode to him uh you know rather than give some more news what do you think yeah that definitely gets my vote i you know we we enjoy the news segment week in and week out um but i i'm okay if we're gonna press along a little bit here and um you know we we also covered some some questions we might not even get to emails this week might put those off until next episode and uh, if we're gonna make a bit more room for that tour that Denny's going to give us. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I, I heard your vote and the, uh, the, 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 the council and I have discussed it and, um, <laughs> over whiskey, I assume over, over whiskey. And, and we agree. Yeah, let's do it. So should we press on to, to misconception, give the floor back to 
Mr. Danny Potter himself? Yeah, yeah, back to Danny. You know, every week we want to do a misconception. So we, we put that in front of Danny. You know, here's a guy who has been in the in the whiskey industry for many years in a day. And and he had some which we may have touched upon a little bit here and there in previous episodes, but it was great hearing it from his mouth. For me, it's well, it's actually almost it's almost two really, but they're kind of tied together. That price equals quality, and that age equals quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I know maybe that seems like I'm cherry picking a little bit with those, but it's so true, and it's so true for us at Heaven Hill. You know, too, we have some just some unbelievable bourbons on the shelf for the for the price. You know, to sit here and, and say that you know we've got an Elijah Craig small batch that's an eight to twelve year old that you can buy for. I mean, honestly, the, the liquor store did a tasting at the other day. It was twenty eight dollars. Henry McKenna, a ten year single barrel bottled in bond, so a hundred proof. For for thirty one thirty two dollars, but and and well then let's you know and so those are phenomenal, but because it's not seventy dollars, mm -hmm. and that seventy dollar whiskey won't have the age on it, but it's well this has got to be good. It's seventy dollars, yeah. you know. So that's one, and it's one, and, and it's always worked to our advantage because you know for eighty one years the family's been very focused and dedicated to the fact that good whiskey for a good price. Mm -hmm. And that continues to, you know, carry through even today as hot as everything is. And I think the other one too is that um, that age equals quality. Mm -hmm. You know, the older it is, the better it is. Well, I mean, you guys know. I mean, that's don't get me wrong. I mean, it is incredible if you, you know, to taste a, you know, something that might be 25, 26 years old. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that quality-wise, it's better than a 12-year-old. Yeah. Um, it's cool and it's awesome and it's going to have a lot of great flavor but like for me personally you know i'm looking for i'm big on smell i mean i just i, I use my nose more than i taste so i'm looking for something that has great aroma but the taste matches the aroma and so that's where i'm looking for a balance between the two so you know my wheelhouse is probably in that anywhere between that nine to 18 year old range that's just what i like mm -hmm. but you know i think those are probably two if that's Good. You know, I, I hear that a lot, like with some of our brands. Well, you know that it's thirty dollars. So. I, I think I think your your standard issue or or entry level Rittenhouse Rye is a perfect example of a phenomenal whiskey at I think twenty five thirty bucks. Well, yeah, at least in Connecticut, right? right? Yeah, it, it's that's where I am. It's like twenty five thirty bucks in Connecticut, and you can get it cheaper. It is a phenomenal bargain, and it's a hundred proof, yeah. right? For a wonderful, wonderful. Well, ride. and it's and it's and it's that brain in particular is completely validated what you just said by the mixology community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you go in. I go anywhere, any on-premise account, and they're going to ask about. They want they want to ask questions about Rittenhouse because mm -hmm. a lot of them have a Rittenhouse cocktail. That you know, rye base. You can make great cocktails with it at 100 proof, mm -hmm. and depending on where you are, whether it's Chicago, New York, D.C., um, out west, when you make two cocktails with that Rittenhouse, you just paid for the entire bottle. <laughs> so they I mean, so they can make a great cocktail yeah. Yeah. and then have a margin on that that you know it might be unmatched with anything else they've got in their bar. Yeah. Um, you're you're right, but it's yeah. there. You go. I mean, mixologists. We do. I mean, 
Hell, we do one that you can only get in Kentucky. That's a Heaven Hill bottled and bond. Oh, it's yeah. a six-year hundred proof. Just about to mention it's <laughs> the liquor store. The I mean, we we joke about it. We're like, if you pay thirteen, fourteen dollars, you pay too much. Yep. And you know they had it for for twelve dollars, I believe, out at Westport Whiskey and Wine the other night. Yeah, I think we each and got two, three bottles last time. Yeah, I, I bought a case. I bought a six pack when I was here because I was driving back to Virginia, yep. and I pour that for people when they come over to my house. Among other things, and I said, well, "What do you think of that?" And they go, "That's fantastic." Like, How much would you pay for that? Yeah, they're like, "What is this? Thirty-five bucks?" Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd happily pay thirty-five bucks for this. I was like, "Yeah, I got it for 12 And they're like, "Do you have any?" So, funny enough, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fifteen to you. <laughs> so, what is it? It's the classic example of, you know, price doesn't equal quality. I mean, and it and it's funny because. Like when we travel to Chicago and other places, the mixologists that love Rittenhouse are always asking us about the Heaven Hill bottled and bond. And they're like, hey, can you bring us a case? Yeah, can you do yeah, this? You yeah. do that? Because, you know. It's Kentucky and. Right now, I think I think it's just Kentucky okay. that you can get in. It used to be okay. Kentucky and Indiana. Yeah. Um, and but it's mainly Kentucky. just Kentucky. Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah, that's what that's what doing a seven hour drive from my house to get a few cases of that and take it's it back it. over there. Yeah. That's worth that's why you have to sell for fifteen, you gotta cover. You gotta cover your time. Yeah, you that's you right. are controlling the secondary market yeah, on those yeah. right there. Shipping yeah. and handling, yeah. that's what I am. Yeah. Sincere thanks to Denny Potter. Yeah. As we mentioned earlier in the podcast. He devoted a whole bunch of his time to us. We spent an entire morning with him and then, <laughs> and then dashed off A to let him get back to work and B so we could grab a very quick lunch before driving down the road to wild turkey. Yeah. Apologies. Uh, apologies to anybody listening to this in, um, in 2019 when you find out there's slightly less Elijah Craig 12 year old um, <laughs> because of this interview. <laughs> I, I can guarantee any concerned listeners that distillery was still running full tilt while we distracted them for, for three good hours. Um, so, so yeah, so again, thanks to Denny. That was really magnificent. And again, congratulations to him on the new job. And yeah, he's going to be fantastic in that yeah. position. Um, how can people get in contact with us, Joshua? There's the, the Instagram. Yeah, there's, so l- let me, you know, you have a list that you go down. <laughs> Uh, you know, at the beginning of every podcast, which talks about, you know, what it is, what we do that we do. And just, just so regular listeners will know, that is my grounds crew has just shown up as we're concluding this podcast here. Sounds like the Bernheim Distillery on the other side of my window. <laughs> what listeners don't know. <laughs> what listeners don't know is that Jason's actually been wearing white gloves this whole time <laughs> while we've been doing this. He's had a silver spoon hanging out of his mouth. And every once in a while, we had to pause because he would get a knock at the door and someone would say, please, Mr. Johnston Yellen, what may we do with your yard? <laughs> uh, somebody has to live this life, Joshua. Oh, man. You know, thankfully, man, thankfully oh, it's me. So... Anyway, let's you do your list. Instagram, Facebook, so, yeah, Twitter. So, so how how can people get in touch with us? So uh first off, you if you want to reach out to us directly, which that's what we want. We we really want people to to email us. And so you can do that by emailing us at questions at one nation And as always, 
It's whiskey without an E. Uh, you can send us a tweet. Our Twitter address is One Nation Whiskey, and that is whiskey without an E. Uh, you can add pictures. You can send us messages. Whatever you want to do via the Instagram machine. And we are at One Nation Under Whiskey. And As Jason learned last podcast, that is the full thing. There is no truncated version yeah. of our name there. Nothing. Um, and and then also you can find us on the Facebooks. Uh, just search out One Nation Under Whiskey. Now, one thing that I that I feel bears mentioning. Do you know what that is? I do. You do. That if you if you know so much, why don't you tell the listeners? This week we are coming to you from a place of disappointment of sadness that we have not seen any new five star reviews on the <laughs> iTunes nor have we seen any five star reviews none in written form we have merely solaced one another with our own <laughs> excitement <laughs> how much we enjoy the podcast you, you know what um, I, you know what i think you know the reason why we haven't seen so much Go on. I think it's because I mentioned that every time someone does that, uh, an angel gets its share. And no one wants the angels to take more whiskey. So <laughs> I would say that every time you do it, an angel gets its wings. <laughs> oh, it's the Christmas theme again. <laughs> oh, Bring it back. You hate Christmas so much. Curse you, Hatton. <laughs> curse you. Uh, okay. Anyway, so yeah. we we did say to the nice people that we were going to give as much time to Denny as we could. Now, here we are listing the number of ways they can get us. Let's get out of their hair. Let's get out of their way. And do not say anything else about Please. anything else unless it pertains to Mr. Denny Potter. It pertains to our next episode. Can I just throw that in? Please, 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 please. You're incorrigible. Oh, I mentioned in two weeks, we will be interviewing uh, the Isla Swimmers, right? But next week is a podcast we've been meaning to release uh, for quite some time. And there's actually two people that, that you and I know very well who are massive fans of this particular gentleman and, and his distillery. Um, so, so Jess Lomas and, uh, Chris, I can't, I can't pronounce his so, name. So last week you offended the Polish people by yes. saying you find their names impossible. Yes. And this episode, you decide to go after the Swedes. I, I did. So well done. The European <laughs> tour for Josh is coming up fast. Yeah. I, I, I think. Holstrom. Holstrom, which we love, we lovingly refer to him as Swede Scott because of the interview for next week. Mr. Matt Hoffman of Westland Distillery. We will have, uh, not next week, but uh, in two weeks in our, in our next episode. So uh, Jess and Swede Scott, look out for that. We know you're massive fans. You'll enjoy that. So Jason, cheers to you for your time. Cheers to you, my brother. <laughs>